we've been in this series where we've been unpacking things, right? And today we're going to continue. We are going to unpack transitions. We're going to unpack the beginning and end of things. Because, frankly, we're not good at that, right? If you've been in the church for a minute, you know churches don't do transitions well. And the behind-the-scenes reason is because people don't do transitions well. And the church is filled with God's spirit and people. And sometimes people kind of overwhelm God's spirit for a second, and we just don't do it well. And so we're going to practice a big transition for us. For one church, this is a, a big day as, as Miss Diana has been beyond a gift to us. And uh, we're going to celebrate with super sad things, I promised, super emotional, crying, tons of that. I've got the mic, cue the sad music. <laughs> oh, okay. But no, this is like, I don't as I was thinking about this the last couple of weeks, this is like if you've gone to a really good musical or theater show and that second act ends and it's, you just want to stay in your seat for a minute and the third act is coming, but that second one was good and you wish it didn't end and you know what's coming is really good, but it's just that good moment, right? Or if you've gone to a live show, if you've gone to a concert and they happen to play your favorite song and they play it a little early in the show, and you're like, oh, that's my favorite. And there's still show to go. But you've got that moment before the next song starts where you don't know what the next song is, where you're just savoring the end of that song that you love, knowing there's more good music to come, right? That's a little bit what today is. Our God is so good that we can linger in this moment. And we can love this last act, this last song that was played. Knowing that God's not done, knowing that for one church and for Miss Dinah and for all of you who are connected in different ways, that God is doing great things. And we're so confident of that, that we can pause here and linger and be like, man, this has been a run. This has been good. So we're going to look at a particular transition in, in the Bible that is actually one of my secret favorites. It's in Acts 20. And Paul is saying goodbye to the elders in Ephesus. And he'd lived with them for two and a half years. He'd lived there a while. In his life, that's like, you know how dogs have different years? I think Paul had different years because he comes in and goes quick. That's like 30 years in one place. You know, two and a half years for Paul, that, that's a minute. And, and he had loved these people deeply. And he knew that this was the last time he was going to see these elders. And so he had sent word and he said, hey, I want you to meet me. They meet at the boat. They don't even go to the church because, frankly, I don't think he could handle it. I think he was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose it all. Meet me where I am. And they do. And they have this great moment. And here's what we have recorded starting in, in verse 17. From Miletus, he sent a message to Ephesus asking the elders of the church to meet him. When they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the entire time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, enduring the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. I did not shrink from doing anything helpful, proclaiming the message to you and teaching you publicly and from house 
to house. I imagine that he looked these dear friends in the eyes and his final word, I mean, he goes on, read through this this week, it's inspiring, but his final words begin with this sentence, I, I didn't shrink back. The whole time I was with you, I didn't shrink back. I did what was helpful, I preached, I was present, I was in your home, I was in the church, I, I was with you. And it made me wonder, what did he not shrink back from? I don't think it was just preaching. I don't think it was, I didn't shrink back from just uh, saying theological truths. Though he said tons of theological truths. I don't think that's what this was about. Because he lived day in and day out with these people. And to get what he didn't shrink back from, I think we need to look back on Paul's life. We're introduced to Paul when he's Saul, right? And he is a sold-out guy. He's got religion figured out at this point. And part of how he understood religion at the point was that he would quite literally beat people into belief. He would use violence. He believed in a violent God. And, and he then acted violently towards others, towards people who were different than him. In fact, it, it got so bad that other people wanted to impress him with their violent tendencies. And they would say, like, okay, hold my coat. And he would hold their coat, and they would go act violent. And that was the way to impress this very godly person. And then Saul met Jesus, and he got knocked on his butt. And Jesus is like, what are you doing to me? And he spent the rest of his life relearning how he saw God relearning what he was called to, relearning who was in and who was out and who mattered and what life was to look like, so much so that he changed his name, he changed the way that he lived, old friends became people who didn't like him anymore, and people who were afraid of him became his dearest. And he spent the rest of his life living into the very things that Jesus kind of summarized the law as. I mean, like a lot of us, people in Paul's day were kind of intimidated by the law. Like, you ever feel that? You ever read through that law and you're like, man, I don't know that I can eat lunch right now because I'm not sure what's okay. I'm pretty sure this fast food line I'm in is not okay. And he said, hey, I've, I've got the summary. Jesus said, I've got the summary for you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, with your mind and your strength. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. All the law hangs itself on these. And he simplified all of this into those things. That everything that God asks of us can be summarized by that. And Paul spends the rest of his life kind of unlearning things and relearning things. So much so that in Galatians 5, we see that Paul says that, that this is the summary. He we looked at this during COVID here at, at the church. We looked at it in a book together on Thursday nights. Paul summarizes everything by saying that the only thing that counts, the only thing to a church that's wondering if, if they should be circumcised or not, who can eat together, but who can eat what and where, who's the good guys, who's the bad guys, all this. He says the only thing that counts is faith working through love. That's it. It's about love. 
So he looked at it through these three lenses, and Paul did not shrink back from loving God, from loving his neighbors, and from loving himself. That's what I believe he didn't shrink back from. What would shrinking back look like for Paul? It would have looked like going back to what was familiar, who he used to be. Something gets scary, the easy thing to do would be like, well, they're bad and I'm right. And frankly, he was smarter than most of the people around. He was more educated than most of the people. He could have put them on their feet pretty, pretty easy if he wanted to. But that would have been shrinking back to fall back into old patterns. It would have been shrinking back if he went back into us versus them. We're the good guys and they're the bad guys. But instead, if we read Paul carefully, we see that Paul keeps saying things like, no, no, there is no Jew and Gentile. There isn't. There's no clean and unclean. It's faith working itself out through love. If he shrank back among them, he would have been certain that he was right that he was the owner of truth, and instead he said things like, go, go pursue this love that is unfathomable. He spoke of mystery. If he shrank back, he would have been talking about how horrible he was and how he had to earn something, but instead he said, I, I'm the chief of sinners, but I'm beloved. It's not on my merit it's not on my work, which I tried to work for. It's on the fact that Jesus loves me. And that's it. And so Paul was able to look at the people that he lived the longest next to and say, I never shrank back. And they wept with him and hugged because they knew that he didn't. That every day that he was with them, he tried to learn what it looked like to love God more fully. What does that look like? As we've been talking about, that's, that's being attached, right? That's knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Every day he spent learning to, to become the beloved, honest about himself. I'm the chief of sinners. But knowing that God's truth is bigger than his own experience. I'm the chief of sinners, but God says that I'm beloved, so I'm beloved. I don't deserve it. But this isn't on merit, this is on mercy, this is on grace. He spent those days seeing others as beloved. And he became, he became the champion of these others, right? He became the one who would go stand beside people and say they belong. When, when the people who owned all the companies and, and got to leave work early because they were rich and wealthy, wanted to feast for hours before the daily laborers came. He said, no, you don't get to do that. You don't break bread until everybody's here, because they're actually the ones who are hungry. He's the one who's advocating for people who are, are in slavery at the time. He's the one who's tearing down walls that have divided us for generation and generation and generation. Why? Because that's what it looks like. When faith is worked out in love. And again, he, he never shrank back from discovering that God was the source of all of this love. And so he wholeheartedly followed after that. 
See, I think when we read Paul as just this like theological wizard and we read him as the one who knows everything, we actually miss what's going on. He was brilliant. But I think if he walked in here and he looked you in the eyes, we would feel that he's beloved and he knows it. And we would feel that we were beloved and he knows it. Because God really is that good and that loving and he knows it. So today, for a moment, man, we've enjoyed a great song in the life of Miss Diana, right? Man, this, this act of God is worth pausing for. It's like my favorite song is wrapping up right now. It's the final chords of this one, and there's tons of songs to come in this concert, but man, have I loved this one, and I'll never forget it. But as I thought about this song that your life has been for us, for me, it's, it's wrapped up in this. I never saw you shrink back. I, I, I saw some silly moments when, like, the raccoon was on the roof. I heard some words at different points. I did beat you in spades. But besides all that, you kn- I got the microphone. You know all that's coming up. <laughs> I saw some silly moments, but I never saw you shrink back. All of us are here because you love us. We remember that we're loved when we see you. And we remember that God loves us because, well, you can't help but remind us. And there were times when my faith was shaky and I leaned on yours. And there were times when my joy was not the top note and you let it coexist with my sorrow. And you didn't shrink back. And I will forever remember this example of Acts 20 lived out in your life, in our presence. I think we have all felt the love and the freedom that followed you wherever you went. And I think we all will not be the same. And so thank you. One church, and in our one church fashion, I have a couple questions for you because that's just what I do. So a question for us all is where are you most likely to shrink back? In your own life. Where are you most likely to shrink back? And I think Jesus summarized it all as just really three things, so let's not make it more complicated. Are we most likely to shrink back in loving God? When this song ends and the next song begins tomorrow morning, are we likely to be like, God, I'm going to distance from you because I'm a little bit mad? Or are we going to go, God, I'm a little bit mad. I'm going to come close. Are we likely to get busy and distracted and forget? Or are we likely to hold attached to God even though we're busy and tempted to be distracted? Or for us, is it that we are most likely to shrink back in loving ourselves? I don't, we live at a weird time where we've got like fake arrogance all over the place. And what I mean by that is we're like, we're publicly confident and we're inwardly terrified. And so then we only get more publicly obnoxious trying to convince somebody that we're lovable. 
at least here, like, let's end that, okay? Let's just say, ah, we don't have to do that here. And let's let our true selves come out. And, and that means, like, start to believe that, no, we're, like we've talked about before, we didn't sin before we were loved. We didn't sin before we were image bearers. From the very beginning, we were meant to be God's image bearer. We are beloved. That's the truest thing about you. And so maybe that's the thing that you're most likely to shrink back from. Or the third area that we could, are we most likely to shrink back from loving other people? That's hard, right? It's hard to love other people, especially this, this, can I say this side of COVID? We all know it's not like really over, but like we're physically together again. Like this side of COVID where, where the introvert in me got to hang out with me and my books. And then I remember like, oh man, people are difficult. We've kind of lost our endurance, kind of lost our stamina with each other. And it'd be easy to just retreat and like use each other as sound bites or make caricatures of each other. But if we're really going to live into what God invites us to, then all of the other people get to come out. The stuff that we don't like, the stuff we disagree with, stuff that's not our favorite, and all the stuff we love. It all belongs. And so which of those are you most likely to shrink back from? But instead of shame, I want to ask you to then ask your God for courage. God, give me courage to not shrink back. Give me courage to love you more, love myself more, love my neighbor more. Help me in that. And the second question that I have for us all is, who would you shrink back to? Who was the person that you were? For some of us, that is still the most familiar person to be. Some of us still, I love this, right? <laughs> that's pretty fun. For some of us, that's still who we feel most familiar as. And if that's you, I, again, I don't offer you shame. Instead, I, I want to ask you to let part of your prayer be, God, will you, will you let the beloved me be the most familiar one? Where when... When I put on my belovedness, it's like putting on my favorite hoodie, my favorite pair of Adidas or my Yankee cap, where I feel most at home. That was for you. <laughs> Will you help me to feel at home in that and not shrink back anymore? I know for those of us in the room, God has used Miss Diana to be like that for us. It's real hard to shrink back next to her. It's real hard not to believe that I'm beloved, that you're beloved, that God's worthy of our love. But as we move forward, we got to go to Missouri to feel that, right? So, it's not that far. So, we've got grief to feel, right? That has to be safe. That has to be okay. If you're looking for a place to feel grief, we're, we're here. We're, we're kind of good at it. Life is often in a minor key. 
but we also all will have a little bit of a hole in us. And we can either soak and be sad, which is worth it for a couple days, or we can feel inspired and say, I watched my sister, who, who wasn't perfect, though near, who wasn't perfect, I watched her not shrink back and love all of these people and make room for all of these people. And now all these people are needing that, and so I'm going to go step into that. I'm going to look out for people. I'm going to love on people. I'm going to let God do that work in me. The example that I feel we have the most in Miss Diana in this last song, this last song was about not shrinking back from our belovedness and who God really is. And that's attainable for each of us if we'd have courage. So this is the end of an era, some might say, and we are forever changed. And in a moment, Miss Diana is going to come up and gift us by leading us in in communion. And so if you don't have a cup, go ahead and raise your hand. Mr. Wayne's got his work cut out for him. Keep it up for a second. Prop it with the other hand if you need to. A communion cup. He's going to bring you a if you're new, a horribly tasting wafer and a tiny little sip of grape juice, but we can imagine how good that will be. In a moment, Miss Diana's going to come up and, and lead us in this, but I, I want to have, uh, hey, young kids, you can join me now. Okay, if I can have the room's attention for a minute. I know we're passing cups, and this is, this is two things at once. It's a challenge for us. But like at the end of any good act or like the end of any live song that we love, as Miss Diana comes up, I want to invite us to applaud. You don't get to come up yet. Just stand right there. I want to invite us to applaud. But here's what we're applauding. As an act of worship, I want to invite you to applaud this God who loves this well who has modeled not shrinking back, who's modeled belovedness, who's modeled joy and hope, all of this, I want us to applaud as an act of worship our faithful God. So the kids are coming out. Let's do that right now. Miss Diana, come lead us in communion.